Section 23 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by M. J. Frank. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6 by anonymous translated by richard francis burton section 23 when it was the 597th night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the king bade his queen question the bath woman with fire and grievous blows they tortured her with all manner tortures, but could not bring her to confess or to accuse any. Then he commanded to cast her into prison, and manacle and fetter her. And they did as he bade. One day after this, as the king sat in the inner court of his palace, with the queen by his side and water flowing round him, he saw the pie fly into a crevice in a corner of the wall and pull out the necklace. Whereupon he cried out to a damsel who was with him, and she caught the bird and took the necklace from it. By this the king knew that the pious bathwoman had been wronged and repented of that he had done with her. So he sent for her to the presence and fell to kissing her head and with many tears sought pardon of her. Moreover, he commanded much treasure to be given to her, but she refused and would none of it. However, she forgave him and went away, swearing never again to enter anyone's house. So she betook herself to wandering in the mountains and valleys and worshipped God until she died and Almighty Allah have mercy upon her. And for an instance of the malice of the male sex, continued the damsel, I have heard, O king, tell this tale of the two pigeons. A pair of pigeons once stored up wheat and barley in their nest during the winter, and when the summer came, the grain shriveled and became less, so the male pigeon said to his wife, Thou hast eaten of this grain. Replied she, No, by Allah, I have never touched it. But he believed not her words, and beat her with his wings, and pecked her with his bill, till he killed her. When the cold season returned, the corn swelled out and became as before, whereupon he knew that he had slain his wife wrongously and wickedly, and he repented when as repentance availed him not. Then he lay down by her side, mourning over her and weeping for grief, and left meat and drink till he fell sick and died. But, added the damsel, I know a story of the malice of men more extraordinary than any of these. Quoth the king, Let us hear what thou hast to tell. And quoth she, 
I have heard tell, O king, this story of Prince Bairam and the Princess Al-Datma. There once was a king's daughter who had no equal in her time for beauty and loveliness and symmetrical stature and grace, brilliancy, amorous lace, and the art of ravishing the wits of the masculine race. And her name was Al-Datma. She used to boast, Indeed, there is none like me in this age. Nor was there one more accomplished than she in horsemanship and martial exercises and all that behooveth a cavalier. So all the king's sons sought her to wife, but she would take none of them, saying, No man shall marry me except he overcome me at lunge of lance and stroke of sword in fair field and patent plain. If any can do this, I will willingly wed him. But if I overcome him, I will take his horse and clothes and arms and write with fire upon his forehead, This is the freed man of al -Datma. Now the sons of the kings flocked to her from every quarter far and near, and she overcame them and put them to shame, stripping them of their arms and branding them with fire. Presently the son of a king of the kings of the Persians, by name Bairam ibn Taji, heard of her, and journeyed from afar to her father's court, bringing with him men and horses and great store of wealth and royal treasures. When he drew near the city, he sent her parent a rich present, and the king came out to meet him and honored him with the utmost honor. Then the king's son sent a message to him by his vizier, demanding his daughter's hand in marriage. But the king answered, saying, O oh, my son, as regards my daughter Aldatma, I have no power over her for she hath sworn by her soul to marry none except he overcome her in the listed field. Quoth the prince, I journeyed hither from my father's court with no other object but this. I came here to woo and for thine alliance to sue. Quoth the king, Thou shalt meet her to-morrow. So next day he sent to bid his daughter who, making ready for battle, donned her harness of war, and the folk, hearing of the coming joust, flocked from all sides to the field. Presently the princess rode into the lists, armed cap a pied and belted with visor down, and the Persian king's son came out single-handed to meet her, equipped at all points after the fairest of fashions. Then they drove at each other and fought a great while, wheeling and falsing, advancing and retreating, till the princess, finding in him such courage and cavalries as she had seen in none else, began to fear for herself lest he put her to shame before the bystanders and knew that he would assuredly overcome her. So she resolved to trick him 
and, raising her visor low, her face appeared more brilliant than the full moon, which, when he saw, he was confounded by her beauty, and his strength failed, and his spirit faltered. When she perceived this, she fell upon him unawares in his moment of weakness, and tear him from his saddle, and he became in her hands as he were a sparrow in the clutches of an eagle, knowing not what was done with him for amazement and confusion. So she took his steed and clothes and armor, and branding him with fire, let him wend his ways. When he recovered from his stupor, he abode several days without meat or drink or sleep, for despite and love of the girl which had taken hold upon his heart. Then he sent a letter by certain of his slaves to his father, advising him that he could not return home till he had won his will of the princess, or died for want of her. When his sire got the letter, he was sore concerned for his son, and would have succored him by sending troops and soldiers. But his wazirs dissuaded him from this, and exhorted him to patience. So he committed his affair to Almighty Allah. Meanwhile, the prince cast about for a means of coming to his desire. And presently, disguising himself as a decrepit old man with a white beard over his own black beard, repaired to a garden of the princess where she used to walk most of her days. Here he sought out the gardener and said to him, I am a stranger from a far country, and from my youth upwards I have been a gardener. And in the grafting of trees, and the culture of fruits and flowers, and care of the vine, none is more skilled than I. When the gardener heard this, he rejoiced in him with exceeding joy, and carried him into the garden, where he commended him to his underlings. And the prince betook himself to the service of the garden, and the tending of the trees, and the bettering of their fruits, and improving the Persian water-wheels, and disposing the irrigation channels. One day, as he was thus employed, lo, he saw some slaves enter the garden, leading mules laden with carpets and vessels, and asked them the meaning of this, to which they answered, The princess is minded to take her pleasure. When he heard these words, he hastened to his lodging, and fetching some of the jewels and ornaments he had brought with him from home, sat down in the garden, and spread somewhat of them out before him, shaking and making a show of extreme old age. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and ninety-eighth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the son of the Persian king, after disguising himself as an old man shotten in years, and taking a seat in the garden, 
spread out somewhat of the jewels and ornaments before him, and made a show of shaking and trembling as if for decrepitude and the weakness of extreme senility. After an hour or so, a company of damsels and eunuchs entered with the princess in their midst, as she were the moon among the stars, and dispersed about the garden, plucking the fruits and diverting themselves. Presently they espied a man sitting under one of the trees, and making towards him, who was the prince, found him a very old man, whose hands and feet trembled for decrepitude, and before him store of precious jewels and royal ornaments. So they marveled at his case, and asked him what he did there with the jewels. When he answered, with these trinkets I would fain buy me to wife one of you. They laughed together at him, and said, If one of us married thee, what wilt thou do with her? Said he, I will give her one kiss and divorce her. Then quoth the princess, I give thee this damsel to wife. So he rose, and coming up to her, leaning on his staff and shivering and staggering, kissed her and gave her the jewels and ornaments, whereat she rejoiced, and they, laughing at him, went their way. Next day they came again to the garden, and finding him seated in the same place, with more jewels and ornaments than before spread in front of him, asked him, "'Oh, shake!' What wilt thou do with this jewelry? And he answered, saying, I wish therewith to take one of you to wife, even as yesterday. So the princess said, I marry thee to this damsel. And he came up to her and kissed her and gave her the jewels, and they all went their ways. But seeing such generosity to her handmaids, the princess said to herself, I have more right to all these fine things than these baggages, and no harm can betide me. So when morning morrowed, she went down from her chamber singly into the garden, in the habit of one of her damsels, and presenting herself privily before the prince, said to him, O oh, sheikh, the king's daughter hath sent me to thee, that thou mayest marry me. He looked at her and knew her. So he answered, With love and gladness, and gave her jewels and ornaments of the finest and costliest. Then he rose to kiss her, and she off her guard and fearing nothing, but when he came up to her he suddenly laid hold of her with a strong hand, and instantly throwing her down, on the ground abated her maiden head. Then he pulled the beard from his face, and said to her, Dost thou not know me? asked she. Who art thou? and he answered, I am Bairam, the king's son of Persia, who have changed my favor, and am become a stranger to my people and estate for thy sake, 
and have lavished my treasures for thy love. So she rose from under him in silence, and answered not his address, nor spake a word of reply to him, being dazed for what had befallen her, and seeing nothing better than to be silent for fear of shame. And she bethought herself and said, If I kill myself it will be useless, and if I do him die, his death will profit me not. And presently added, Nothing will serve me but that I elope with him to his own country. Then she gathered together her monies and treasures, and sent to him, acquainting him therewith, to the intent that he also might equip himself with his wealth and needs, and they agreed upon an item which to depart. So at the appointed time they mounted race-horses and set out under cover of the gloom, nor did morning morrow till they had traversed a great distance, and they ceased not faring forwards till they drew near his father's capital in the land of the Persians. When the king heard of his son's coming, he rode out to meet him with his troops, and rejoiced in him with exceeding joy. Then, after a few days, he sent the princess's father a splendid present and a letter to the effect that his daughter was with him and demanding her wedding equipage. Aldatma's father came out to meet the messengers with the greatest gladness, for that he had deemed his daughter lost and had grieved sore for her loss. After which he made bride feasts and summoning the kasi and the witnesses let draw up the marriage contract between his daughter and the prince of Persia. He invested the envoys with robes of honor. Then he made ready her equipage and dispatched it to her. And Prince Behran abode with her till death, southern their union. See therefore, O king, continued the favorite, the malice of men in their dealing with women. As for me, I will not go back from my due till I die. So the king once more commanded to put his son to death, but the seventh wazir came in to him, and kissing the ground before him, said, O king, have patience with me, whilst I speak these words of good counsel to thee. How many patient and slow-moving men unto their hope attain, and how many who are precipitate fall into shameful state. Now I have seen how this damsel hath profligately excited the king by lies to horrible and unnatural cruelties. But I, his mameluke, whom he hath overwhelmed with his favors and bounties, do prefer him true and loyal reed, for that I, O king, know of the malice of women, that which none knoweth save myself. And in particular there hath reached me on this subject the story of the old woman and the son of the merchant with its warning instances. Asked the king, And what fell out between them, O wazir? And the seventh wazir answered, I have heard tell, O king, the tale of the house with the belvedere.
a wealthy merchant had a son who was very dear to him and who said to him one day oh my father i have a boon to beg of thee quoth the merchant oh my son what is it that i may give it thee and bring thee to thy desire though it were the light of mine eyes quoth the youth give me money that i may journey with the merchants to the city of baghdad and see its sights and sail on the tigris and look upon the palace of the caliphs for the sons of the merchants have described these things to me and i long to see them for myself said the father o oh, my child o oh, my little son how can i endure to part from thee but the youth replied i have said my say and there is no help for it but i journey to baghdad with thy consent or e'en without it such a longing for its sight hath fallen upon me as can only be assuaged by the going hither and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the five hundred and ninety-ninth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that the merchant's son said to his sire there is no help for it but that i journey to baghdad now when the father saw that there was no help for it he provided his son with goods to the value of thirty thousand gold pieces and sent him with certain merchants in whom he trusted committing him to their charge then he took leave of the youth who journeyed with his friends the merchants till they reached baghdad the house of peace where he entered the market and hired him a house so handsome and delectable and spacious and elegant that on seeing it he well-nigh lost his wits for admiration for therein were pavilions facing one another with floors of colored marbles and ceilings inlaid with gold and lapis lazuli and its gardens were full of warbling birds so he asked the doorkeeper what was its monthly rent and he replied ten dinars quoth the young man speakest thou soothly or dost thou but jest with me quoth the porter by allah i speak not but the truth for none who taketh up his abode in this house lodgeth in it more than a week or two and how is that quoth the youth and quoth the porter o oh, my son whoso dwelleth in this house cometh not forth of it except sick or dead wherefore it is known amongst all the folk of baghdad so that none offereth to inhabit it and thus cometh it that its rent is fallen so low hearing this the young merchant marvelled with exceeding marvel and said needs must there be some reason for this sickening and perishing however after considering a while and seeking refuge with allah from satan the stoned he rented the house and took up his abode there then he put away apprehension from his thought and busied himself with selling and buying 
and some days passed by without any such ill case befalling him in the house as the doorkeeper had mentioned. One day as he sat upon the bench before his door, there came up a grizzled crone, as she were a snake speckled white and black, calling aloud on the name of Allah, magnifying him inordinately and at the same time putting away the stones and other obstacles from the path. Seeing the youth sitting there, she looked at him, and marveled at his case, whereupon quoth he to her, O woman, dost thou know me, or am I like any thou knowest? When she heard him speak, she toddled up to him, and saluting him with the salam, asked, how long hast thou dwelt in this house? Answered he, Two months, O my mother. And she said, It was hereat I marvelled, for I, O my son, know thee not. Neither dost thou know me, nor yet art thou like unto any one I know. But I marvelled, for that none other than thou hath taken up his abode in this house, but hath gone forth from it dead or dying, save thee alone. Doubtless, O my son, thou hast periled thy young years, but I suppose thou hast not gone up to the upper story, neither looked out from the belvedere there. So saying, she went her way, and he fell a pondering her words and said to himself, I have not gone up to the top of the house, nor did I know that there was a belvedere there. Then he arose forthright, and going in, searched the byways of the house, till he espied in a wall-corner among the trees a narrow door between whose posts the spider had woven her webs, and said to himself, Happily the spider hath not webbed over the door, but because death and doom is within. However, he heartened himself with the saying of God the Most High, Say, nothing shall befall us but what Allah hath written for us. And opening the door, ascended a narrow flight of stairs till he came to the terrace roof, where he found a belvedere, in which he sat down to rest and solace himself with the view. Presently he caught sight of a fine house and a well-cared-for hard by, surmounted by a lofty belvedere overlooking the whole of Baghdad, in which sat a damsel fair as a houri. Her beauty took possession of his whole heart and made away with his reason, bequeathing to him the pains and patience of Job, and the grief and weeping of Jacob. And as he looked at her and considered her curiously, an object to enamour an ascetic and make a devotee lovesick, fire was lighted in his vitals, and he cried, Folks say that whoso taketh up his abode in this house dieth or sickeneth. 
and this be so yon damsel is assuredly the cause would heaven i knew how i shall win free of this affair for my wits are clean gone then he descended from the terrace pondering his case and sat down in the house but being unable to rest he went out and took his seat at the door absorbed in melancholy thought when behold up came the old woman afoot praising and magnifying allah as she went when he saw her he rose and accosting her with a courteous salam and wishes for her life being prolonged said to her o oh, my mother i was healthy and hearty till thou madest mention to me of the door leading to the belvedere so i opened it and ascending to the top of the house saw thence what stole away my senses and now methinks i am a lost man and i know no physician for me but thyself when she heard this she laughed and said no harm shall befall thee inshallah so allah please whereupon he rose and went into the house and coming back with an hundred dinars in his sleeve said to her take this o my mother and deal with me the dealing of lords with slaves and succour me quickly for if i die a claim for my blood will meet thee on the day of doom answered she with love and gladness but o oh, my son i expect thou lend me thine aid in some small matter whereby hangs the winning of thy wish quoth he what wouldst thou have me do o oh, my mother quoth she go to the silk market and inquire for the shop of abu al-faf bin kaidam sit thee down on his counter and salute him and say to him give me the face veil thou hast by thee o'erfrayed with gold for he hath none handsomer in his shop then buy it of him o my son at his own price however high and keep it till i come to thee to-morrow allah almighty willing so saying she went away and he passed the night upon live coals of the gasa wood next morning he took a thousand ducats in his pocket and repairing to the silk market sought out the shop of abu al-fath to him he was directed by one of the merchants he found him a man of dignified aspect surrounded by pages eunuchs and attendants for he was a merchant of great wealth and consideration befriended by the caliph and of the blessings which allah the most high had bestowed upon him was the damsel who had ravished the young man's heart she was his wife and had not her match for beauty nor was her like to be found with any of the sons of the kings the young man saluted him and abu al-fath returned his salam and bade him be seated so he sat down by him and said to him o merchant i wish to look at such a face veil 
Accordingly he bade his slave bring him a bundle of silk from the inner shop, and opening it brought out a number of veils, whose beauty amazed the youth. Among them was the veil he sought. So he bought it for fifty gold pieces, and bore it home well pleased. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 23. Recording by M. J. Frank, Portland, Oregon.